Welcome to Project Give Back Connects, an extension of Project Give Back in the classrooms, dedicated to inspiring young students to become empathetic, understanding, and community-minded leaders. Project Give Back Connects offers a dose of inspiration and thoughts for discussion. Each live episode is taped and shared with classroom teachers and their students. Sit back, get cozy, let's get connected. Hi guys, welcome to episode 15 of Project Give Back Connects. Every week or every other week, we meet the most inspiring people. And they're just ordinary people who really aren't ordinary at all. They devote their lives to what they're passionate about. And because of that, they are true experts in their fields. Today's episode is dedicated to education. I think regardless of how old you are, when you stop learning, you stop living. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can be young, young, or really old. As soon as you, you got to keep learning all the time. Um, education is all around us. It's in our schools. It's in our homes. It's in our community. Today, our first speaker is a buddy of mine. His name is Eric Petersill, and he is the head of school at the Leo Beck Day School, Canada's first Jewish IB world school. Eric is a community leader. He's a father, a husband, an awesome guitar player and singer. And he's going to talk to you tonight about the role of community in education. Eric, welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Ellen, very much for inviting me. Thank you all very much for being here. So last year I celebrated 25 years as a full-time Jewish educator. I've only worked in two institutions, in a range of roles, and through that I've shaped the core of my educational mission, to help young people understand and define the role of Judaism in their own lives. As Bruce Powell says, they're not all going to be A-plus students in chemistry or history, but they can all be A-plus human beings. That's our goal, to develop A-plus human beings. And to do that is a critical thinking task that requires evaluating multiple perspectives throughout life in order to choose the right path forward, which is different for every student. That's the basis of all education. So how do we instill that as educators? In my very first role, I worked outside of Toronto. I supported 120 families who were living dispersed from a Jewish center. And the students who came to me once or twice a week were always the only Jewish kid in their public school class sometimes the only one in their entire school. So what did that community mean when they came together with us? Everything about them could have been different. Some were families of recent immigrants. Some had very different family makeups. One or both of their parents were not born Jewish. Some having chosen Judaism and others had not. And there was a wide range of economic background. And they came together through a connection to their family history in order to find out and understand who they are and who they were in the world. In order to succeed, what I learned is that we needed to help them identify and learn about their connection to each other and discover themselves in a safe space through their common community. When I started my career, I could supply teach in a class of 40 students. And at the end of the class, in one minute, I could name every student, even after having taught the class took a lot of effort and attention, 
but the entire tenor of our relationship changed the minute that first class ended and I put on that little display. Because at that point, just acknowledging a student by name reminds them that they're an individual in a community rather than a nameless number. 20 years ago, I moved to the Leo Beck Day School. And after one year, I became the principal of the small campus on an urban setting where the main recess activity was playing football on the parking lot where there wasn't enough space and everybody getting hurt all the time. I recognized very quickly that this recess experience set the tone for how the students were treated and how they understood their role at school. So I did what I could, a la Neil Grammer, I played football. I took off my blazer and what I did is I played quarterback for both teams. And I made sure that the ball got shared, that everyone got in the play, that everyone understood you could still play as hard as you wanted. But if you understood how to treat each other, then that experience could become a positive one for everyone instead of just for a few people and a negative one for others. Frankly, what I learned there is that every day was a lesson in how we treat each other in a community. And frankly, those relationships have been what has lasted a lifetime. When I became the head of school after six years as being the principal, I hired a principal from a local private school who was Jewish, but had never worked in a Jewish environment. And one of the things that struck him after a few months was that he had spent a career trying to build a community around a group of people whose only commonality was that they had chosen the same private school. He was amazed that a Jewish day school had the opposite problem. The community was already built in through family, and friends, relationships, years of history and interconnectedness, sometimes perhaps too much so. And the challenge that we have is actually trying to maintain a professional educational environment when the community is so very close. It's the entire opposite difficulty that we have. Those are examples for me of that powerful role of community and education, the way we treat each other in school settings, the face that we as educators show to students, colleagues, and parents has a dramatic impact on the experience of feeling welcomed, heard, understood, and therefore being part of a community. And without it, they just can't succeed. One last example. 17 years ago, I stumbled bleary-eyed onto the eighth floor of Sick Kids Hospital with my two-week-old child. Um, at one point, I want to tell you that I wrote a short story, a little fragment of it that I never finished, called Eight means cancer, about watching the people press the elevator buttons. If they pressed eight, that meant they were going to the cancer ward. And that always struck me in terms of knowing, watching people in the hospital. My child was two weeks old, and those two weeks had not been filled with the routine exhaustion of bringing home a newborn, but the sleeplessness of finding out that this newborn had a tumor the size of a golf ball on their adrenal gland. And in my haze, I recognized one of the oncologists who had come to my high school midstream and graduated as part of my graduating class. We were not friends at the time, but I remembered that I'd always respected her, liked her, and that we shared a positive warmth to our casual relationship. In speaking at my high school a few years later, I recounted this story because there would have been nothing worse in the world than walking through the door of the pediatric cancer ward and coming face to face with a peer whom you had not treated well around whom you were ashamed of your teenage behavior. We hadn't spoken a word in the intervening 15 years since graduation, but her presence and support 
meant the world to me at a most difficult time. I will say that the power of community has shifted dramatically in this past year. Our reliance on technology has made personal connection difficult. The inability to hug a person, any person, is unbearable. But there's also been some dramatic positive impacts. In November, we lost my father-in-law. And Jewish mourning ritual is built on the experience of community. Seven days where every person who ever knew the deceased is expected to come close to you, forcing you to live in close proximity to every member memory of the deceased. And then 30 days, one step removed, where you're expected to go to a communal gathering every single day to say a prayer of memory. And then 11 months more with rituals slightly further removed to enact the stages of separation from the harshness of death. We were robbed of that by COVID restrictions and of comforting each other and him in his final days. But there was a silver lining. At the funeral and Shiva each night, we were able to welcome friends from Israel and New York, cousins from Arizona and Las Vegas, and have them participate in a way that simply would not have been possible under normal circumstances. They were able to participate in our community rituals from a great distance, which was incredibly important to them and to us. One final example of this community forced into creation over Zoom is the launch of Ellen's Sunday's Jake Jams. You don't know what I'm talking about, you're missing out. She invited me a year ago. I remember how nervous I was. I was sitting in this chair to sing a song in front of 30 strangers on the computer screen. Now I jump on every week early in order to feel the warmth of this community to greet my new friends from all walks of life who I promise I would have never met without the community that Ellen has been able to draw near to her. Hi, Gaby. Just yesterday in a webinar, I was challenged as an educator to consider, how are we at school going to redefine culture moving forward? What have our new families at school missed? In our school, I know they've missed the intimacy of coming together to hear children sing to proudly participate in Jewish ritual or compete together as a team in athletic competition. But they've also gained the ability to define community from a distance, to have empathy for those in need, to reach out to the lonely and to open their eyes to the inequities in our society that this pandemic has laid bare. These are the messages we cannot forget when life goes back to normal, or maybe perhaps we can make it go forward to build a better community. Whew. Eric, um, I have to rewind that and watch that again, because there are so many powerful messages in there. And thank you so much. Those of you, if you haven't been in Eric's school, exa it's exactly what he talks about. You walk in there and everyone's smiling. Everyone's happy. Kids are skipping up and down and every teacher knows every kid's name. It's truly a beautiful community you've built, Eric. And, and thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Wow, wow, so good. I knew you were gonna be good. I didn't know you were gonna be that good. <laughs> so um, we have another expert tonight and her name is Nancy Lerner. And she's also been an educator and a leader for 30 years in education. I first met Nancy when she was principal at Hillcrest School and we did our Project Give Back program there. And we were 
we met in her office. And at that point I was begging, you know, schools to take her program (laughs) and she was so excited to take it on. And I just noticed her warmth and her belief in, in her students' abilities and her belief in her teachers and her strong belief in inclusion. And she's here tonight to talk to us about educating the whole child. Welcome, Nancy. Thanks, Ellen. And Eric, you're a really hard act to follow. <laughs> so you were terrific. And I love listening to your messages about community. And that's why we're all here tonight, actually. But thank you, Ellen. And hi to everybody. Um, wow. That's a lovely introduction. Um, I have been in education for a very long time, too many years to count. But from the time I started out as an educator, and I go back many, many, many years, I started my career off at Northwestern University in Chicago, where I was studying, uh, doing my master's degree in learning disabilities and communicative disorders. And very quickly was thrown into um, the realization and the philosophy of the program that was the whole child and the whole person. What does that mean? Without getting too philosophical, it means that we're all complex people, that we are all people who are not defined by a learning issue, an attention problem, a physical challenge, uh, whatever it is with divorced parents, we are all complex people. And sadly, the education system for the most part has traditionally been very um, siloed in terms of how we look at children and how we teach our children. And as parents, we also kind of get on that bandwagon and we start to identify and see our kids through that lens. As an educator, I every year would open my initial meetings with my staff and my teacher the first day when everybody was kind of nervous. And I said, guys, we're going to push back the curriculum right now. And we're going to talk about the whole child and what that means and why you're going to be better teachers and why I'm going to be a better principal and why your family will be richer for this. And in, a, in the essence of looking at the, and educating the whole child is understanding that children are complex people and that they're they're what they're, that there's not anything that defines them. And too often in schools, whether they're private schools, public schools, day schools, it doesn't matter, as educators, we tend to latch on. And, and parents, I have to say, sometimes do as well to one attribute whether it's a strength or whether it's a weakness or a challenge. And it's, we become a kind of, we tend to become myopic and we say, oh, this is the kid. This is the kid with the learning disability. You know, this is the kid with ADHD. Oh, that's why the kid can't sit still, you know, sit still or you're going to miss your learning. What, they may not do what teachers don't really understand unless they're taught. And this has been my mandate forever. Let's scratch the surface guys. Let's take the time to conference with each kid in your class once a week, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Hi guys, what's going on in your family? Tell me how things are going. As as Eric so eloquently talked about community, you know, let's build a community of collaboration and a community of care. And that doesn't happen by teaching 
kids and making them like feel like widgets within subject areas. That's not how we define education. Education is educating the whole soul, the whole person. And all too often that's not happening. I think one of the uh, many things that we can think about is really putting together a team approach when we're working with kids in schools. And this is where parents are essential partners in our kids' education so that we are talking about a whole child. And one of the first questions I always ask parents is, tell me about your child. Who is your child? I don't want to know about their grades or how, how quickly they swim laps or how fast they ski down the you know, blue mountain or you know, how many days they're, they're on the tennis courts because they're going to be an all-star. I want to know about your child. Who is this person? That's the person that I want to teach. That's a person that we want to grow and foster. And that essence of the whole idea of it takes a village to raise a child is the essence of what I believe is so important in education and connecting education with community because we need all of us. We need to build teams to support our kids, whether they're three or whether they're 20 or 21 or 23. We need to build in those teams of professionals and caring people to say, hey, I notice that you're looking a little down today. You know, why don't we just spend a little time together and figure out what's happening? And the idea that we, that things happen at home and that they're different and that we somehow expect our kids to drop that at the door of the school is, is false. Just they're no better able to do that than we are able to do that in our places of work. You know, our kids bring everything with them in their little suitcase every day. And it's up to us as caring, loving and compassionate educators to kind of peel back the layers for each child and figure out, you know, maybe this child's falling asleep at their desk, not because they're lazy, not because they don't want to do the work, not because they're unmotivated, maybe because they're hungry, maybe because they're having a problem sleeping. Maybe they're having a problem sleeping because their parents are fighting all night. You know, so one, it's, a, it's like my, one of my favorite kids books, right? You give a mouse a cookie. I think everybody knows that wonderful story. And that leads to, to more information and more information. And we need to take the time. And parents, I urge you to be partners, like partner with us in, as educators. You are the gold mine. Nobody knows children better than their parents be forthcoming, share with your caring educators all about your child so that we can work in true partnership to educate every aspect of the child, not just the academic part, but the, phys the physicality, the emotional piece, the social piece. And this year has been really, on one hand, as Eric said, there's silver linings and there's been challenges. And one of the challenges is for our kids, school is their safe place. For lots of kids, school is their place. That's where they flourish. That's where they grow as human beings. They grow socially. And we know that play is the essence of all learning for young children. And that's been really hard. It's been really hard for parents and even harder for kids. So the other side of it is there are children, and I call it the great digital divide, who don't have those that community a caring community around them. You know, those kids who need to be at school for food, 
you know, for shelter, for healthcare, for social work, for everything. So the whole idea of collaboration and looking at the whole child is really the essence, in my opinion, of how we need to foster education and work as a community of educators so that we can grow a really rich community of children. And going back to Eric's point of, you know, fostering A plus human beings is why we're all here. It's why we're all here tonight. It's why we're all being parents. And that's why, that's what our hope is as educators. And through that, that's how we help our kids see and embrace all the beautiful parts of who they are. And that's our job as educators. That's how we spirit kids along to be their very best. Nancy, what a teacher you would have been like just oh, years well. ago. I can't even <laughs> imagine because I, I see the way you are and especially with the underdogs, you're always looking out for those underdogs. Um, so thank you for that. And thank, thank you for you. teaching your teachers that. Uh, we all need that. We all, we all need the Nancys in, in our lives. <laughs> it's a true pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. I mean, gosh, I remember back in grade one, I had a teacher and I won't say your last name, but I will say <laughs> that there was 14 letters in her name and she made us memorize how to spell her name. This is grade one. <laughs> and so I could never get it. I could never get it. And she would put me in a closet. She would lock me in a closet oh my because God. I couldn't. Now I know it today, yeah, you know, 50 years later, I know it right away, but I was scared. And no, I'll tell you, you think, you think we thrive? You don't forget those moments. No, we no. don't thrive when we're walking on eggshells and we're afraid. So thank you, Nancy. Thank You're you welcome. so much. Thank you. So Eric was talking about his child and Today, we have that child here with us. Logan met so many years ago, and it has been such a thrill to watch Logan turn into the person they are today. Logan performs every week at our jams that Eric was talking about. And, oh, it's such a treat. So you're going to get to meet Logan today and hopefully Logan will share a little bit of their story and um, sing for us. Welcome Logan. Thank you for having me. I'm Logan, I'm 17 and I use they them pronouns. This year has brought a lot of change in my life. It started with a global pandemic, then joining Jake's Jam, coming out as non-binary and then joining a new school. What I didn't know in May when I joined the jam was that it would be my constant throughout all of this. And the support of that community and having the steadiness of that community has meant a lot to me and has helped me on my journey of accepting who I am. This is We Are Gonna Be Friends by The White Strips. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blue. Climb the fence, books and pens I can tell that we are gonna be friends I can tell that we are gonna be friends Walk with me, Susie Lee Through the park and by the tree We will rest upon the ground And look at all the bugs we found Safely walk to school without a sound Safely walk to school without a sound 
But here we are, no one else We walk to school all by ourselves There's dirt on our uniforms From chasing all the ants and worms We clean up and now it's time to learn We clean up and now it's time to learn Numbers, letters, learn to spell Nouns and books and show and tell At playtime we will throw the ball Back to class, through the hall Teacher marks our height against the wall we don't notice any time pass We don't notice anything We sit side by side in every class Teacher thinks that I sound funny But she likes the way you sing Tonight I'll dream while well, I'm in bed When silly thoughts go through my head About the bugs and alphabet when I wake tomorrow, I bet that you and I will walk together again. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Logan, you're so special. Keep being you and keep teaching us how we can be better. And thank you so much. And you go by they and them, right? And you're going to come back and talk about the importance of pronouns because we all need, we all need to learn that. I go by she and her and very proud of that. And we should all be letting people know who we are. So thank you, Logan. You sang that so well. All right. So each week we have a shining star and our shining star today, his name is William Carter. William participates in a financial literacy program called Explorer Hop. He's also part of a young upstart program called Young Entrepreneurs Creating Change. William, welcome. Please come and tell us your story. Thank you. Hi, my name is William. Today, I'm going to talk about Project Give Back and the young entrepreneur class I took with Explorer Hop. About two years ago in my class, I had a new period called Project Give Back. In this class, Melissa would come in every week to talk to us about different charities and why they're important. At the same time, I happened to be taking a class through a company called Explorer Hub. Explorer Hub is a company that teaches financial literacy and entrepreneurship to kids. On one of the project give back days, Melissa noticed me handing out business cards. The business cards were for a French for a bake sale that I prepared with Explorer Hop. We partnered with uh, a French bakery called Two Wars Bakery, and I learned how to bake and sell French baguettes. Casina, the owner of Explorer Hop, always taught us that we should take some of our profit and donate it to charity. This is a great example of how business and charity work well together. All the customers knew it was for charity, and therefore, they would spend more on the baguettes. In fact, one customer bought 20 whole baguettes. We earned $800 in total and donated half to sick kids. That's how I became a shining star. I really enjoy learning about business, but I enjoy it even more when I'm able to use my business skills and make more money for charity. I was really proud of the baguette sale that my group and I had organized. I also liked that I was able to be a positive example to the rest of my classmates. I hope that every company includes charity donations in their business plans. Thank you.
Thank you so much, William. We all, we all hope that too. Hi, William's mom. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, Will. You did a great job. Amazing. So it's time for Lindsay at Kindness Corner. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, everyone. I wanted to let you know about our current campaign. We're collecting school supplies for families in need. We're dropping these supplies off at different partner schools around the city. We've asked teachers to tell us what would be most helpful for their students. We know that kids need a lot more than pens and paper. They need creative outlets and opportunities for hands-on learning. We also know that dollar stores and budget stores are selling very limited items right now. This means that a parent can't go and purchase a ball or bubbles or an activity book for their child. We know this third lockdown is hitting families harder than ever. We're hoping that these kits will bring some happiness and some smiles to all these families. Please check us out on Instagram at one to give to and remember kindness is contagious. Lindsay, that's amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. Guys, check it out. They're doing such great things and it's just easy instructions and easy to follow and you just make it so easy to help. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. We want it to be small. Yes, but you're making a big impact, which is great. So everyone, thank you for coming out tonight. Eric, Logan, Nancy, William, Lindsay, all of you. As always, let's embrace each other, be kind to one another, let's learn from each other, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye everyone, thanks for coming. Open your heart today.